On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers beat Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs, and Karis LeVert and Sam Merrill were big reasons why. Let's talk about their play and more on today's Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. This is LOCKEDON Cavs, your team every day. I want to thank you for making us your first listen. All right, today's show is all about Cavs Spurs. And a Cleveland Cavaliers win streak, that is right. They are winners of three in a row after they lost two in a row before that. Were those Are these wins against the Wizards and the Spurs, two of the worst teams in the league? Yes, but wins are wins. You play who's in front of you. Evan, Cleveland wins against San Antonio. Took a little bit of late luck, I would say. A little bit of holding on to your butts and hanging on for dear life. But they win 117-115. to 115. Karis LeVert, Sam Merrill, Jared Allen, I think lead the way in this win. What stood out to you from this one? Um, I think Cleveland did a really good job reading and reacting to how San Antonio was defending in this game. And uh, in a broader stroke, um, I'll talk about the defense in a second more so, but um, in a broader stroke, they are now on a three-game winning streak. They... At least according, I watched the game from home. According to the TV broadcast, uh, we're heading to Paris like immediately after the game and like the media availability. Kid, yeah, it was like I. It was it was the only comparable. I, I apologize for cutting you off, but the only comparison I have to it is like how teams on a back to back, if they're playing in a different city the next night or have to get somewhere else if they're playing at home, media will go much more rapidly than it does otherwise. This was like that. But maybe even a little bit more urgent. I've n- it was, it was very very just in and out. Let's get out of here. We got to get to Paris. Well, it's an intercontinental flight, and not gonna. I have no idea what Cleveland's logistics are. Are they flying private or commercial or whatever else? But um, there are no like direct flights from Cleveland to Paris. You either head to Detroit or New York or anywhere else in between just to end up in Paris, France. And it's again an intercontinental flight, so it takes time. And plus. The Cavs, according to the broadcast, again, plan on being there first thing Monday. Uh, <clears throat> they start practicing Tuesday and all that other stuff, and they have media availability and other things they have to do, uh, including like a team photo in front of the Eiffel Tower and et cetera and so on. So um, they have a jam-packed week ahead of them, but they go off a three-game winning streak. I, I noted this at the end of the game. There are some small things that they need to tamp out, whether it's at the beginning of the game or just some of the mental flubs that they had towards the end of the game but like all in all like you have to feel good by the fact that after a pretty frustrating multi-game losing streak that they were going on heading into this homestand they go 3-0 and at home take care of business against three I mean San Antonio put up a good fight but at least three bad record-wise teams um, and just kind of continue building like positive momentum without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley out there and I think that's probably the biggest positive that comes from just you know this like they, they keep winning without those two on the floor 
Yeah, it, this is all about wins. This is not, I think, indicative of where the team is going to go. This was not even a performance that I think they'll feel particularly great about in retrospect. They came out of the gate really slow. Donovan Mitchell, in particular, took a while to get going, and he didn't even have a particularly good game. He was 7 of 18 from the field, 1 of 10 from 3. He had a couple moments in the fourth where he really turned it on, but it was it was a very quiet Donovan Mitchell game. But they showed some resiliency. Jared Allen, again, was massive. Sam Merrill has 18 in the first half to really give this team some juice. Karis LeVert making big play after big play, I think, in big stretches. They did just enough in this game and patched together different moments, patched together different things to get there. And this is all you need right now. I There's a lot to eventually get to, particularly when Evan Moby gets back, about what it, that has happened here and what it means for going forward. We will get there. But if you're looking at the Cavs right now and you have all these injuries and you're trying to just make the most of what's in front of you, this win took them from 8th to 5th in the East standings. It is jam-packed tight, and every single game this team plays the rest of the year in all likelihood is going to matter. They are smacked in the middle of Orlando, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Heat. Those teams are all two and a half back up the Sixers, so maybe if the Sixers come back, that adds another team in there. But there's a massive glump pile of teams. I don't even think glump's a word, but whatever. There's a ton of... Just a ton of teams smash together in the Middle of the East. So even if this win does not mean that much in terms of what we learn, it matters because every game actually kind of matters right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the beauty, I guess, of de-incentivized tanking and the fact that at least in the top eight, maybe nine or ten, depending on how you feel about Brooklyn and Chicago, like it is very competitive. But like you said, there is that sandwich bunch between Orlando, Cleveland, New York, Indiana, and Miami as well. Like where they are a half game apart of each other or in a three-way tie in Orlando, Cleveland, and New York's case for fourth place in the Eastern Conference with the tiebreakers being like wins and records and things like that against certain teams, um, giving Orlando the four seed and Cleveland the five seed. But yeah, like I, I think every game counts, every game matters. I think that's just always the case anytime you go out there if you're the Cavs. But I think in this game against... Um, San Antonio at least like comparatively to the two games against Washington Cleveland was tested a little bit more and I think there is some course correction they need to do and work on and I think the nice thing about an intercontinental trip that has you in France for the next week or so at least uh, work week Monday through Friday is there's going to be a lot of just like opportunities for the team to get closer to kind of work on things study film break things down they have to win a game in a foreign country, in a foreign arena, against an opponent they are somewhat familiar with in the Nets. But, you know, this is an opportunity for them that kind of crystallizes the team and just keep building these small um, building blocks for momentum to, one, help their record, and two, more importantly, like, just kind of get them ready for the stretch run when they come back and are, you know, facing, like, the all-star break and everything like that where they can really get healthy and. If they're riding a lot of good momentum towards the end of January and into early February around that all-star break time and they get Darius Garland back before then and hopefully Evan Mobley by then or around then, they could be primed to make a pretty, at least a decent run to become like one of those top four teams, top four as in like three being their absolute ceiling of the Eastern Conference. And ideally, like that's a really great spot to be considering like when they lost to the Raptors, they were in the eighth at the eighth spot. Like that, just to put that in perspective, with the Cavs open this homestand, 
They're the eight seed. Now they're the five seed after wrapping up this three game stint at home. The last thing I think to say is just again to look at Sam Merrill and Karis Levert. Sam Merrill is 18 points in the energy he played with in the first half. The sniper like <clears> accuracy and, and confidence he plays it. with as a shooter. Massive in this game. It's been massive for them just holding off right now. It's why you, the team was pretty visibly bummed when he had that wrist injury, missed some time. And, and Karis Levert started the swing of this game. He, at the end of the first quarter, scores six points in 2.3 seconds, has a pull-up three, and then gets a steal on a very slot beam bounce pass from San Antonio, hits the three. They go. To, it's, it's, they were going to be down 10 without those threes. They're down four going into the second with, without that. They maybe come back and win this game anyway. San Antonio, on the whole, is not very good. But Karis Levert deserves a lot of praise for what he did in those moments and starting the energy on a night where, again, Donovan Mitchell just didn't have it. You don't win games like this without someone like Karis Levert stepping up, playing lead role a lot of the time, and acting like the lead scorer on the C-Mart. After this, let's go to Game Awards. That's going to be MVP, Stat of the Night, and Play of the Night. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is, well, by the time you're hearing this, wrapped up. But there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same game parlays, bets in the new Explorer tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and much more. So, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go there right now and make your first bet a layup. They'll have Cavs-Nets odds. They'll have NBA Futures odds. They'll have Browns-Texans odds if you want NFL playoff action next weekend. So, again, that's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL, and that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 Moneyline bet. All right, Game Awards. Evan, I'm just going to say off the top, mine, I'm just going to give it to Sam Merrill. I th- I don't think this is actually, this is maybe not who I think it ultimately goes to in terms of who was the best pound for pound player in this game. But I don't think they win this game unless he goes off the way he did in the first half and plays with the energy he did. So Sam Merrill, congratulations to you. Your 18 first half points felt very important to me in terms of MVP. Evan, who's your MVP? Uh, mine is Jared Allen, I think. And I said I touched on this more. Um, San Antonio really over defended Cleveland. I think especially just with like Donovan Mitchell or not Karis Levert so much, but like they they tried to just like kind of attack Cleveland um, at a ball handling point of attack and just like really like double up on that. And I think Victor Wembanyama got burned quite a few times by Jared Allen on a few of those possessions. Sure, Wemby just has like otherworldly size and length and athleticism to recover and like alter shots or like try and like make it a little bit harder but like Allen got a lot of clean looks at the bucket and I think really benefited and just rose to the occasion once again for Cleveland and um it's his seventh straight double double I believe after this game and like the just played and performed very very well like if this was an, an impressive game like you said in the first segment it took Donovan Mitchell a little bit to get going but like Allen kind of <clears throat> had it going from the first quarter and kind of kept it pretty steady and even keel all throughout this matchup. And um, I, I I think there's just a few moments where I'm like, yeah, he got the better of Wemby. And, and my play of the night certainly was the 
definitive um, getting the best of moment for um, Allen getting the best of Wemby. Yeah, he he is just on an absolute heater right now. I don't know what we're going to do this week, a kind of look at where the Cavs could get all-stars. I don't know if he actually will factor in, but I think he might. He is just, I think, based on how he's played of late and the fact that he's been largely healthy aside from the start of the year, the team's second-best candidate to be an all-star. He's been unreal as of late. And again, this is another guy that is stepping up and playing a really big role while this team is going through all of this stuff. All right. Uh, play, let's go to play the night. You do yours first. I I think there's a there's a couple Jared Allen Wemby things you could look at, but what's the one that's popping? Your uh, play of the night. Um, yeah, just the block Allen had in the fourth quarter on Wembyana. Like, sure they are both big men. I think Allen at least has the season seasoning and better understanding defensively of how like NBA attacks work. But like Wembyana has an eight foot wingspan, and it's hard to. One score on him, I think Sam Merrill and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in one possession were all pretty firm understanders and believers of that, especially Merrill on the perimeter when Wemby recovered to block him on the perimeter like that. But um, just more so the fact that like that was like, you know, I'm like, oh, there was a little bit of edge to it. Like um, kind of felt like, you know, hey, Rook, welcome to your NBA, welcome to the NBA kind of moment. Like this is a all-star caliber big man having another good game and a very good 10 game run so far. And like that for me, was just like the crystallization of like Allen's motor running a little hotter than maybe I'm accustomed to. Like he does seem like a guy or not seems like I've watched him play. Like he, he is a guy who sometimes can kind of phase in and out of games intention wise. And this was a moment like in the biggest play and the biggest moment he stepped up and delivered for when the Cavs really needed him to. And yeah, like that was just the play of the night for me to kind of, wasn't indicative of how tight things got down the stretch, but like, you know, hey, credit where credit's due. It was a really nice block. He, Weminyama has a body that doesn't make sense. And I think you can, can that it, you can get it conveyed via television. But anyone who has seen him in person, and Evan, next year, just going to say like, you had some family plans today. I, I would tell your family maybe to just like they can see you next weekend. Under the weather still too. Um, I was gonna Evan. I, you, I've you know I've been sick for. I would I would have worn like a hazmat suit if I wasn't feeling better because I want to see that weird body. He's got like the weirdest. Like he had a block in this game and a stretch in this game. This is you can go listen to Lockdown Spurs for this, but he's just a, a freak. He had a block in this game where he just stuck his arm up in the air and blocked a shot because he can do that because he's seven foot tall with the eight foot wingspan. And then he hit a pull up three on the other end. This is an alien. This is an alien. Yeah, like the term unicorn sometimes gets overused. Like I say this a lot, especially about like uh, me talking about um, Evan Mobley or like, you know, the, the, like that term got thrown around a lot after Porzingis. Like Mobley is pretty unique in his own, but I am. <laughs> trying to see if I can head down to San Antonio when the Cavs are there to go see a friend and watch the game but um, in February for a birthday gift to myself but yeah if I have to wait till Cleveland they come to town next year and the Spurs are actually a much better team and like they really accentuate and compliment Wemby yeah like I, I watched him at home I'm just like I my dumb fan brain turns on every time he's on the floor like he is genuinely exciting um, I didn't wear my French national team hood to the show just because I didn't want to be too obnoxious about it, but it's funny watching how pop is just kind of letting him do his own thing. And then like, just, I don't know, maybe going to course correct it at the end of the year, or maybe pops just like having fun with it while he still can. But 
he's going to be very good. Like you said, like he is just a one of one type of big man. And the new narrative going forward is teams are going to try and find some type equivalent to what Wemby can give the Spurs. Here's well, there's no equivalent. Here's but, what I mean, they're trying to find like here's three a, point shoot rim protecting big man who also like are comfortable moving the rock and uh, defending in space as well. Um, like you said, like his body doesn't make sense. Like for as human, or for as long and lanky a human as he is, there's no way for me to fully comprehend how fluid he is either. Like with the ball in his hand or just moving in general, he's just so incredibly fluid in his movements. There's a not a comparison, but there's something about how he is used that I think has made me think about how Evan Mobley is used so far, and we'll talk about that at some point, but I, I'm, there's a there's a take I am workshopping in my brain. All right, play of the night for me is very simple. Karis Lover, big three to end the, third, uh, end the first, gets him down four. He, he had the buzzer beater to, to, to beat the clock in the third as well, so Karis Lover, good for you. All right, stat of the night for me. Once again, Cleveland Cavaliers' offensive rebounding rate, very good in a win, a shocker. This time... Um, they were up in the above 30% on the offensive glass, just absolutely getting a ton of second chance points, getting scoring on putbacks helps to do that when your offense overall is in the muck to some degree and Donovan Mitchell doesn't have a good game. So that's that. Cavs 32.6% offensive rebounding rate. Evan, what's your Well, stat? to go off yours real quick, just Jared Allen alone is averaging 5.9 offensive rebounds Again, per game over the monster, last seven games. Monster. There, there, is, there, is something to, there is something to be said, and that's a great shout. That it is a little bit weird in retrospect that the Cavs had these two seven footers and they don't like offensive rebound before this. And I know there are tactical reasons why, but there's like a version of this team that absolutely should just be like gobbling up offensive rebounds. I'm not saying that Jared Allen or Evan Moby is going to get to like what Mitchell Robinson was doing with the Knicks this year, which is like an absurd rate before he got hurt, but they should have been probably been offensive rebounding more than they have been up until this. But that, that's again, that's a whole other conversation. No, I, I agree. Um, I do wonder if maybe the sucker punch they got from the Knicks maybe was a bit of an eye-opening thing. And for me, at least Jared Allen's like, you know, his toughness was questioned. I think a lot of people were clamoring to trade him. But again, has really stepped up. And it is weird that like something that he is somewhat adverse to, he is really embracing, at least over the last seven games. And um, um, either way, um, my sad and I is just the fact that Sam Merrill, I believe, was Six three made three pointers short of breaking Kyrie Irving's or tying Kyrie Irving's record for most and LeBron's record for most three pointers made in a single game. Um, he was six short, six many- made short, and uh, he's like because he started the game like five of eight from the perimeter. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is just fascinating because like completely cooled off in the second half. I think San Antonio didn't really give him as many open looks on the perimeter. That was a bit of a good adjustment on San Antonio's part, but. He was a flamethrower. Now, I understand why he was your MVP, just because like the, the Cavs kind of needed a bit of a spark offensively in the first half, and it took Donovan Mitchell a little bit to get going, and Jared Allen could only do so much. They're like, lo and behold, it is their actual Jetty Osmond replacement and Sam Merrill that had been cooking with Mike Garrity in the charge last year, who has really been taking advantage of just this opportunity presented to him because... He would not be playing otherwise if this team was healthy, and he has taken every opportunity and run with it and been quite a difference maker for the Cavs when he is healthy and accurate. 
did really enjoy two things about Jetty Osmond. Number one, he went to the charge game uh, on on Saturday. Secondly, him and Donovan Mitchell did a jersey swap, and they took a photo of that's on the court of them with the jerseys. But then Donovan, when he was in his locker post game, made a point to like hold up the jersey and like show everyone that he had Jetty's jersey. Just some really wholesome stuff I, from one Donovan Mitchell, the yeah. Jetty guy. He's like Jackson Flickinger, but for but as an actual NBA player. Yeah. Um, okay. Jackson's not the NBA player. They meant Jetty. Like, well, Jetty's doing them pretty okay still, but um. More so the fact like, yeah, it was nice that the Cavs recognized Jetty, whether it was just like with the locker room shout out outside the visiting locker room or the fact that like, I think a lot of people, like he went into the Cavs locker room and like they didn't kick him out. Like there's pictures of Allen and Donovan greeting him pregame and I'm sure other people said hey to him too. I'm sure he's been saying hi to a bunch of people since he came back. Like you said, he was at the charge game last night. Rafa took a selfie with him courtside at the charge game. Um I don't know. It's just, it's nice that, again, like Cavs players that leave do leave on good terms versus like maybe a couple of years ago, it may not have been the case like J.R. Smith or like the guys from that second LeBron run who were just like checked out and ready to move on. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, um, it's one of those like wholesome moments. And I am bummed though. No reckon, no, re- no reckon, no reckon, no recognizing by the organization for a former. One time starting small forward, Mamadi Diakite by the Cavs in this game. Okay. On that note, he plays uh, for the Spurs. I know, but like it's it's not the same. I, I did text speaking of Jackson, I texted him like, did Mamadi get a recognize did he get recognized? And he just said no with a sad face. I'm no, like, there's, That's there's, all I need. Look, there should be there should be limits to this. There's just a point where like like did they, the Cavs campaign was here for ten days. If Cam when the first time campaign gave back, he didn't he doesn't need a tribute video. You know, I'm so surprised they gave Colin Sexton one. It's classic. Just everyone needs a trophy society we live in here. All right, coming up after this, what did we learn over these three games? Let's talk about it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You should not be stressed out or worried when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the last-minute deals you can get on Game Time. Again, I, people have heard me say this before on the show if they're regular listeners, but I went to New York in the summer. I built a whole trip around Aces Liberty at Barclays. I bought my tickets and saved a bunch of money on game time. Plus, there's a game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Create an account and redeem our code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off your Evan, what from this recent run, and particularly these three wins, considering they are against bad teams, all of that, is there anything you feel like we can learn from this this run and then say, okay, we have learned X about the Cavs. Do you feel like you were learning anything new or important about this group right now? Um, I think in the first two games, just because they're so lopsided, 
the Cavs were able to keep the Wizards' arms length away, but I think there were moments in this game against San Antonio, especially down the stretch, or at least in the tighter moments of the fourth quarter. Um, Cleveland really did have to fight. Like they were maybe moments to me, like whether it was they're focused on getting on the road to Paris. They were focused on the fact that like this is a bad Spurs team. We don't really have to like try super hard, even though you know if they do try hard. I'm not going to discredit what professional athletes do. Um, or just the fact that they, they are underbanned and underhanded and they could have been a little bit outgassed. Like, I think to me, like, this team is doing the best it can um, despite the circumstances in front of them to start 2024. Um, and I think that's really stood out for me. Like, they have had moments against Washington where, like, in the first game, like, it was a little bit of uh, just trading shots at the Wizards. And then eventually, like, they put their foot on the throat of Washington and never really relented. Uh, in the second game against the Wizards, they came out really hot and really sharp. And there was a moment Washington came back, but they found a way to put them away. Or in this game against San Antonio, like it was just a little bit of like plus one effort. Like um, Sam Merrill, like, you know, just making the extra hustle play to save after the inbounds kerfuffle. And then um, I laughed because Karis LeVert was definitely looking to take that shot of Wembenyana, and everybody on the team was telling him not to shoot the ball. Um, like there are small moments where they kind of have to correct things. They are flawed just because they aren't complete. But I think it is just encouraging that they are still surviving and thriving without Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. And considering how we felt about this team when they had these ups and downs and just like really just ugly losses, like they're doing a lot better given just like what they were to start the season compared to where they're at now. And it does make me excited and more so a little intrigue to see, okay, like, is this Cavs team about to kind of hit their stretch run when they're fully healthy? And, like, we start to see, like, some leveling up, I guess, as they kind of start priming themselves for that expected playoff run um, because they they are have gone from a playing team to a playoff team in three games just based on standings. And just, yeah, I don't know. It's encouraging. Just I'll put it to that. I think that's right. I think there are two practical things I would I would hit at. Number one, Craig Porter Jr. I think is uh, is at some point I don't know if it's imminent, but is going to get a real NBA contract. Yeah. I don't think that means he's guaranteed to play though. He played 11 minutes against the Wizards and he had a basically had a cameo against the Spurs. He is someone who I think is going to be around this team. I think it's it is possible that maybe they don't go for a veteran guard and just roll on him and we'll see where it gets. But I wouldn't bank on him being in the rotation. The second thing is that I think the late game offense is still like a little bit choppy. Some of that is no Darius Garland, but I think this team is still finding its footing in that way. I think Mitchell hasn't been quite perfect in those moments. And that, that there's some just, there are finer details of performances that show up. I think later in these games that if you're going to say, if, if there's something that costs this team, at a big game at some point, it that wouldn't shock me, and that would leave me a little bit worried. The Spurs game is a good example of this. They had that game. It felt like lockdown. My story was done. My notes for the show were done. Everyone, I think, around me was mostly done with their work. The arena was like, okay, let's just get out of here. Let's go home. Then the door is left open, and it was sloppy, and you get a little bit lucky on a, on a call that was originally called a foul, um, but instead, it ends up being a jump ball. And then the Spurs commit an absolutely awful turnover on an inbounds pass to deny themselves a final chance to tie or win the game. You shouldn't have got yourself in that situation. I think that is on the Cavs. That's a small thing. But that is something against bigger, better teams 
in games that have even more weight than this one, I think that could come up. So that that's where my brain goes. I think what you said is correct. I think just practically, Craig Porter Jr. going to be around, mm-hmm. not in the rotation. There's still some fine things for this. There's still some better form for this team to get into over the next over the next several weeks and months. Yeah, and to circle back to another guy who's really stepped up um, and baseball probably been played a lot more than Craig Porter Jr. Sam Merrill. Like, you posed this question to me the other day. I want to bounce it to you now. Like, when this team is healthy, do you think J.B. Bickerstaff is going to find a way to carve out a spot for him, or is he more of, like, a break glass in case of emergency, like, Lamar Stevens-type role for this team? I think it's that. I think I think there are two guys on this team that are sort of in that vein. They are going to be Tristan Thompson, and they're going to be Sam Merrill. Those are going to be the two guys I think they turn to if there's an injury at those positions, if they just need some different energy, if they need to play the math game. Now, if this three-point upswing we've seen from Cleveland continues, Merrill maybe just plays because of that, and they try to ride it out as long as they can. But I would suspect when this team is fully healthy, he is on the bench and then gets some sparing minutes. But they're, like Evan, there's going to be a night where they just need some offensive juice. And Dean Wade, who just continues to mystify me and did only play 10 minutes on Sunday, we should note, because he just didn't play that well and not didn't really do that much. There's going to be a night where they just say, we're going small, minivan, Merrill, Struess, one of the guards in a big, let's let the shots fly. They're going to end up that way. Like That's going to be a thing that I think we see on, on a night where like they just need more points. Like If they're playing the Pacers in a key game later in the year and they get in a track meet, that's the kind of lineup you might need to go to in that spot, but I, I think that I, I think it's unlikely he's actually in the rotation when this seems fully healthy. But I think he's proven himself as at least a good change of pace option, and Craig Porter Jr. probably falls in that category as well. Yeah, I, I do wonder if just because, like I know Craig did that three pointer in the third quarter for Cleveland, and he is sometimes on, or I would assume at least on most teams' defensive scouting reports, so like you can sag off of him because he's not going to like take and make and burn you from there. But like that was encouraging. But I just wonder if in like that hierarchy, Merrill just has a leg up because he provides like a premium, premium thing that the Cavs, really any team needs. But like I have noticed there's times the Cavs don't utilize in like the same exact way they do Max Struess, but like they run similar like sets to get him going on the perimeter and just kind of find him clean looks out there to get him going. And that's a little bit more translatable because that is conducive to the offense and kind of accentuates what you're trying to do out there. We're going to end there. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, you want a great second listen today, go check out Lockdown Browns. The Browns are officially locked into playing the Houston Texans next weekend in the playoffs. So check out that show. Get ready for that playoff game. We'll be back tomorrow with Stock Up, Stock Down, and Holding. We're going to go through three topics as they are stock market with the Cavs. That's right. And look at where we are with them as we dive further and further into this Cavs season. Have a great Monday, everyone. We will talk to you tomorrow.